0: the power of their data wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.
1: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's
0: the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with
1: your host, Evan Roberts. Welcome to our first Rico Bronia in which we get to just completely bitch about a spring training injury. You knew it was gonna happen. It was bound to happen, and I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. It really, really sucks. Jose Quintana is going to miss time. And when we briefly discussed Jose Quintana's injury, because remember he left the game early due to side soreness, we mentioned it on the last Rico. I was naive. I wasn't fearing the worst. I wasn't fearing that we would find out that Jose Quintana has a small stress fracture in his rib. That was not my guess. That was not on my "How's Quintana injured bingo card. But that's the result, and the result's not good. The Mets still have not revealed a timetable. They have still not revealed intricate details, at least as of this recording. But the one thing we're pretty confident about is he's going to miss time. And it's probably going to be considerable time. So I want to get this out of the way right now here in the middle of March. We will be told come June or July that it's like a trade acquisition. The Mets have acquired Jose Quintana because that's what happens when guys get hurt and they return at some point during the summer or after the trade deadline. We're always told this is like a trade. I want to make something very clear. This is not like a trade. The Mets signed Jose Quintana to replace Taiwan Walker. And Jose Quintana will not make his Met debut for a couple of months. It is not end of the world stuff. I don't think this is going to derail the Mets season, but it's concerning because what can derail the Mets season would be injuries, especially injuries to rotation that is not very young. You know, it wasn't that long ago. It was on the last Rico, we were talking about this rotation and talking about how you want to get guys extra rest. And I've always mentioned, hey, six-man rotation, it makes a lot of sense. There was always this cloud hovering over, though. There was always that wrinkle of, guys aren't going to stay healthy. And we didn't know at the time who it would be and how serious it would be, but right out of the gate, a couple of weeks into spring training, we've got our answer. Uh, Based on the Steven Strasburg rib injury that he had based on the Chris sale injury that he had. I think it's safe to say, and this is not being negative. This is not being dramatic. This is just based on past injuries to pitchers who've had similar injuries. You're looking at a couple of months. So if it's two months where he doesn't pitch and then the ramp up process, you probably have to tack on another month. We are talking in like a good case scenario late June, but in a more realistic scenario, maybe the second half of the season. So that's it with Quintana. I mean, it's not not good. And I love this signing. I mentioned that to you, Pete, when the Mets were in the midst of their offseason that I was so enamored by how good and how well he was pitching in the second half of the season after he was traded by the Pirates to the Cardinals and how well he pitched in a big spot. We remember what he did in the postseason against the Phillies, even though his team lost. I love this signing. And a part of what I loved about him is that if you look at his track record throughout his major league career, he has stayed healthy. So you're talking about a guy who his track record is, hey, for the most part, he's going to go out there and make all the starts. He certainly did that last season. And there have been many years in his career where Jose Quintana, can write him down for 32 starts. It wasn't necessarily the case in 2021. I understand that. And 2020, but you go back to 2019, 32 starts. You go back to 2018, 32 starts. 2017, 32 starts. 2016, 32 starts. And it goes on and on. Like key is a 32-start machine that had a derailment in 2021 and 2020. But last year, he picked up right where it left off. Unfortunately, 2023 is going to be a derailment.
2: Well, this is partly what happens when you have older pitching. I know 34 years old doesn't sound Terribly old, but in baseball terms, it's not the youngest. He's not in his prime. So if these type of injuries happen. Listen, it's not the end of the world. And the one thing that we talked about was that the depth of this pitching rotation was going to be huge. Didn't want to see it so early, but you do have the Tyler McGill's. You do have the Joey Lucchese's of the world, the David Peterson, which, you know, depending on how his foot is, hopefully hasn't fallen off and we're good. But like, <laughs> it, it, we, we wanted to see the whole thing about this team was the Mets had the depth we just didn't want to see it this early that's really what it comes down to yeah oh yeah i mean we wanted
1: to see these five guys pitch and then tyler mcgill and david peterson would be inserted when necessary so let's start with the replacements because i know you love joey Casey. i think for now he is not really an option i think he can be uh in a few months he is still recovering and his return from tommy john surgery i know elisa hernandez is certainly an option but i think the two guys that certainly jump out at me and jump out at most Met fans would be David Peterson and Tyler McGill. Uh, Right off the top, before we kind of dive deeper into who it should be, your first reaction would be whom to take this spot in the rotation?
2: I do think that given the fact he's performed better as of late, and I prefer him as a starter rather than a a bullpen guy, I think David Peterson deserves the first shot of the shoot just because I think he's, I I do, I did crap on him a lot last year, but he did pitch a lot better than I gave him credit for.
1: Yeah. So both guys to, to the point you said are going to be starting pitchers. Okay. Late last year, both Tyler McGill and David Peterson, for a variety of reasons, McGill was coming off of the kind of injury riddled season. Uh, starting in May, he basically missed a big chunk of time. And in Peterson's case, it was more of a necessity. They auditioned for bullpen roles late in that season. And I don't think either guy was overly impressive. They are not, at least as of now, in line for any kind of bullpen role. Now, that obviously could change second half of the season, depending on the needs of this roster. But as of right now, both guys, to me, were headed towards AAA. They were both headed towards... They're going to start every five days, and they're going to be the insurance when necessary. So I don't think either guy, right off the top, I would even consider in a bullpen role. Let me start with McGill. And obviously, I do agree with you, and I've made that clear. David Peterson deserves the first crack. But I want to start with McGill because he is fascinating. He started opening day last year, and that was minor injury to Scherzer, serious injury to DeGrom, and just the way the days kind of fell, McGill got the opening day start. He was great. He pitched the five scoreless innings on the opening day against the Nationals. He follows that up with five and a third scoreless innings against the Phillies. He follows that up with a six-inning, four-run performance against the Giants. He follows that up by pitching into the seventh against the Diamondbacks, allowing two runs. He follows that up with five no-hit innings. Spoiler alert, Mets ended up completing the no-hitter. Tyler McGill, just to remind you, because it's easy to forget this in his first five starts of 2022 was four and oh with a 1.93 ERA. He was to the point where on WFA and the radio station where we reside, there was a comparison made between Tyler McGill and his surprising start and Nestor Cortez and his surprising start. And there was nothing wrong with that comparison. Because Magoo was great. I just gave you the numbers. He made five starts. He was 4-0 if you care about win-loss record. And he had a 1.93 ERA. He had three of his first five starts result in not giving up a run. I mean, he, was, he was really, really, really good. And then he faced the Atlanta Braves first week of May and had a solid performance got the loss, pitched five and a third innings, allowed three runs. Not awful, solid performance. Then, and this is where it all went to hell, he made a start in Washington against the Nationals and gave up eight runs in an inning and a third. So that obviously ballooned his ERA and basically took the first six starts and made it null when it comes to stats and raised his ERA to 4.41. But that really wasn't the big deal. The big deal was he got hurt. And we didn't see him for another month. And then he comes back in a month. He makes two starts. He gets hurt again. And at that point, he was he was done. Like, we didn't see him again until late September. And that's when he tried that bullpen roll, which he was not great at, to be perfectly honest. It wasn't a huge sample size, but he wasn't great. So I bring this up because Tyler McGill was really good. I mean, his. His stats, and I know it's not a huge sample size. It was basically eight starts that you would either say were good or quality versus one just horrific start. One horrible start that brought his numbers up. But throughout April, he was one of the Mets' most consistent starting pitchers. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And I bring this up because we shouldn't forget what he's capable of and what he was marching towards doing. So the good news for the Mets is that I I didn't say that to make the case for McGill. To me, the answer is David Peterson. But Tyler McGill now moves up one more spot. And I still believe the Mets have to be very careful with their rotation. And they still need to give extra days every once in a while to Verlander and to Scherzer and to Senga, who's getting used to pitching in America. So I'm not afraid to pitch Tyler McGill. I think there was a part of what he accomplished last year, what I mentioned in April, where he deserves another crack. But you nailed it. I mean, David Peterson, over the course of a full season, and it was very start and stop at times due to injuries and need be, he went out there and he was really good. Like David Peterson was a real solid starting pitcher for this team, and he had so many different roles. I mean, his first performance back in April was a game in which he came in in the third inning. I think that was the game Taiwan Walker got hurt in if I'm mistaken I could be wrong about that but he came in and pitched four scoreless innings right at the top then he starts making starts and he pitched real well he he wasn't always perfect he had some mediocre starts mixed in and then obviously they tried to make him a reliever uh the game against the Yankees kind of jumps out at us July 27th but when David Peterson was asked to make starts he was really good for the most part and had moments that were intoxicating where you said oh so a lefty, he could put it all together. Like He had a game against Texas, six innings, ten strikeouts, and he looked brilliant. So I do feel good about the depth that the Mets have, and to me it's David Peterson's in the rotation, and now Tyler McGill is raring and ready to go, and he should get a second shot off of the early success he had a year ago.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing too is, again, I just think that David Peterson has pitched uh, enough He's pitched enough innings in the major leagues that I think he's like. If I had to pick one right out of the gate, it's definitely David Peterson, just for that 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 veteran fact. Even though he's not a veteran, but he's had that those innings under his belt already. Let Tyler have a few mornings in the minors, and when not saying emergency comes around, give him another chance. Who knows? Maybe they were really starting. To, he again, his first four starts were amazing, but maybe towards the tail end before his injury, maybe they did pick up something that kind of was a tip or something like that. Give him some more time just to get it right in the minors before he sees the majors.
1: Yeah. It's, I like the depth that this team has. Um, it can be tested. You get another guy hurt and it's going to, it's going to get tested more, but that was one of the things I liked about this team coming in spring training that they have the depth. It, it just sucks to have to go to it this early and to see Quintana probably have to miss as much time as he's going to miss because the truth is, this may not be it. No, is Carlos Carrasco going to get through a full season to make thirty plus starts? I don't know. Is Kodai Senga, who had some minor injury concerns on his physical, going to get through his first season in the major leagues in America and make thirty starts? I don't know. And then obviously we we understand the age of Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. So every guy we just mentioned, Peterson and McGill specifically, but even Joey Lucchese and Alissar Hernandez. They're going to make starts for this team this year. It's going to happen. And hopefully they pitch well. Jose Buto. I shouldn't ignore him. He's probably going to make a start too. I'm not sure where he falls on the depth. To me, it's Peterson, McGill. And after that, I'm kind of up in the air. You know, I got to see Joey Lucchese a little bit more. Remember, he is still coming back from a major injury. And our only look at Jose Buto last year, it was awful. Now, granted, the Mets had a great win that day, but that had nothing to do with him. (laughs) He didn't really contribute to that. So it sucks, man. It just, it sucks. Now, speaking of Tyler McGill, I know this is very much a Pete Hoffman's alley and a few of the people listening's alley, because there are still some that dislike the pitch clock. I've seen plenty of emails about that. Tyler McGill was involved in a fascinating scene the other day at Met Camp in which he had a shoelace that was untied. Now, I raise my hand and tell you, I have solved the shoelace issue because I no longer wear sneakers with shoelaces. Yes, I'm like a 12-year-old boy. I get mocked sometimes. Evan, you're like a big child. And maybe there's some reality to that. Maybe. Maybe a little bit. Maybe some not reality to that. But Whatever. Uh, one area where I am a big child is I use slip-on shoes now. I do. Because I I don't want to tie my shoes. I don't want to waste time. And I don't want to trip. I don't want to fall. But when you're a major league pitcher, you really don't have an option. You have to have shoelaces on your cleats. And Tyler McGill politely said to the umpire, whoever it was, I forgot. I apologize. Hey, I got to tie my shoes. Can we hold on to that pitch clock for a second? And the umpire said, well, you're going to have to use a mound visit, sir. (laughs) So you got a choice, Tyler. You're going to use a mound visit. Or you're just going to have some automatic balls until you can figure out how to tie your shoelaces. I do admit, and I know that guys could find ways to abuse this by trying to find their way to have cheap timeouts, but I'm a big believer in common sense. Big common sense guy. Common sense would tell me, can you let the guy tie his shoes? I, I understand pace of play, pitch clock. You don't want people illegally taking advantage of stopping the clock for reasons such as that. But if you see the man's laces are untied, can we have a common sense rule that says, I see they're untied. I see it didn't purposely do it. So let me give you a free time out, tie your shoelaces so you don't trip all over yourself.
2: So my problem with that is, and I love it. Like this is, this is, first of all, It's going to spill into the regular season. Anyone that thought that this was going to be a clean, all the figure it out by the end of spring training, it's going to bleed into the regular season and, and whatever. It's not going to ruin the game of baseball, but it's going to be chaos. There's going to be issues like this. I do agree with you, common sense law. But however, imagine it's the ninth inning and it's an intense situation and common sense says, his shoelace is untied and let me go do it. The opposing manager should be like, BS. That's a second mound visit. Pull him out. You well, know at that,
1: that point, at that point, save your mound visits. I mean, what am I going to tell you? Don't let it be the second mound visit where a guy has to leave the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to be more judicious with these things. I. But he's got to tie his shoe. <laughs> he's got to tie his shoe. What are you going to do? Don't waste a mound visit earlier in the inning. That's my answer. I I am not willing to give in yet to you and your bullies that come April there are going to be issues. I don't buy – the one thing that does make me think is the WBC could affect this in a negative way because obviously anyone who's playing in the World Baseball Classic has left. They've gone out to train with their teams. In fact, the Mets on Wednesday night played Nicaragua and got – And got one hit. (laughs) And I heard, because the game wasn't on TV, uh, from the great reporting of Tim Healy, that the hit could have been called an error. So the New York Mets came very close to being no hit by Nicaragua. Now, I'm not mocking them. I mean, the Met lineup was abysmal. And that's going to be fascinating. There were so many guys who left for the WBC that there's nobody left. That the lineup is What? Like, I'm going to read you the Met lineup from Wednesday night's game because it's fascinating to me that this is what Buck is left with. But the reason I bring up the WBC is that they're not using a pitch clock. They're not using bigger bases. They're not banning the shift. There are no new rules in the WBC. So what you allow, and this is dangerous, I admit, is you allow guys who are getting used to new rules to now lax back into what they were doing. Because they're all, and I get why those rules aren't in play in the WBC. It's because you have a lot of players who aren't in the major leagues. So these rules would be completely new for them, too. So I understand that. So you are allowing, you know, for Pete Alonso, who's been getting used to the pitch clock and for him, the batter clock, technically, because he has to get the box by eight seconds, he doesn't have to deal with that. And so you wonder if going back to the old habits kind of make it more difficult when you do go back to spring training. To get back to the new habits, but I still remain hopeful that when we get to st- the start of the season, there won't be many issues, but the Tyler McGill shoelace situation was fascinating.